Welcome to About That Bible with Every Nation NYC. I'm Elsa, I'm your host. This is Nathan, and we're going to talk about the Bible. We are here to help you to get more about out of that Bible. And uh, today we're going to talk about Genesis 1 through 11. Is that right, Nathan? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, we're going to dive in to some of the Not most... Not an easy bit of the Bible. Thanks for putting it at the beginning. Right at the start, right in the off. So before we chew on some like meaty questions and some confusing bits, would you be able to summarize for us what happens between 1 and 11? Yeah, so there's um, a number of stories. We've got the two creation narratives. Mm -hmm. Then you get Cain and Abel. It doesn't go well. Um, You get some genealogies in there. Oh, Tower of Babel, genealogy. And then Noah. Ah, everybody's favorite kid's story. Who built the ark? Noah, that's all Obviously. you need to know. Indeed, Noah. <laughs> Nobody died. Nope. Telling your kids, it's great. Um, what would you say was the is the main point of that first eleven chapters? Wow. Uh, yeah. So in the in the very off, we're introduced to God um, in the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and He made it good. And then, very quickly, people ruin it, and it's about the ruination of everything. So, um, people rebel against God. They choose their own good over God's good. They want to define it themselves. They want to be like God. And from there, everything starts going bad. Um, you know, Adam and Eve's children turn on each other. People again, try to take um, matters into their own hand with the tower of Babel. Um, and then things get so bad that God has to intervene on a very massive scale by the end of it. There's a dog. There's a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it goes really bad and it's that whole like spiraling down. Let's start at the beginning because this is a massive question that I always have. So help Mm. us. We've got these two creation narratives at the beginning, chapters one and two. Yeah. Why is there two? And why do they sort of seem like they contradict each other? Great question. Um, So first, um, we have to think about where do these stories come from? Um, they're really super old creation narratives that would have been passed down generation to generation, Mm. possibly all the way back to Adam and Eve. We don't really know where they came from, but they're deep oral traditions that would have um, been passed down to Hebrew people, um, for generations. They're finally recorded by Moses. Mm -hmm. And when they, by the time we get, they get to Moses, there's two of them. So he puts two of them down. And I think that they serve different purposes, right? Like yeah. they're they're answering different questions that people would have about God, about where they came from. Um, the first one in Genesis one is um, the macro, the big creation narrative. God creates the sun, the moon, the stars. He yeah. separates light and dark, which is basically a meaning for them. He made time. He made the distinguishing, not like time existentially, but like uh, to the Hebrew people. But which, excuse me. God did create time, but they were thinking more like the delineations of time, light, dark, day, night, sun, and moon. Um, And so God makes makes these big things. Then he creates the sky and the water, and he separates these things, and he starts to add definition into the chaos of the uncreated world. Yeah. Um, And it's done in a nice sort of like poetic pattern. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There was evening, there was morning, first day. It was Thanks, evening. There was morning, day two. Yeah. Um. And so it it was a it was a poem. That's a good point. And it, yeah, we we should read it a little bit differently, right? Because it's a poem. It's not a science textbook. No. And so it's trying to answer something different. Um. Mostly, 
who um, who made this stuff and why did he make it? Mm. Um, and so we get um, like the macro in the in the first narrative. Yeah. And then in the second narrative, it's far more zoomed in. It just kind of starts like there already is an earth. There's no trees. And so mm-hmm. God plants a garden and he forms humanity. And it's all about the second one is all about people. Yeah. It's, um, mm. He forms the man and the woman. He gives them job assignments. He says, name the animals, be fruitful, multiply, flourish, um, subdue the earth, um, which which leads to some questions like, what what does that mean? What does that mean? You've um, just asked yourself a question. I like that question. Let's do it. What does it mean? Uh, to subdue the earth, like literally to kibosh the earth. Um, what does kibosh mean? To like... To to put it under your to put it under your feet to put it under your dominion your con- okay. control yeah. um, to subdue and have dominion over I can't remember which one it is subdue or dominion one of those is yeah. to kabosh um, to to put it under you and we read this as like sinful greedy people and we think well what does God just say you know turn on your SUV mm-hmm. and don't oh. recycle and kill the whales and um, forget the pandas <laughs> no don't forget the pandas. Forget those pandas. We love pandas. Says so. No, it doesn't. Um, Be nice to pandas. And uh, what, it's, what it's saying is like these, these people were created to interact with nature and bring the best out of nature, to continue to bring the order that God has started in Genesis 1 and 2 and bring it to all of the earth. So he plants this garden and he says, now there's a, there's a whole wild world out there, still yeah. with full of his good creation, all this raw potential energy, gold and, and onyx are in the ground, it says. And so we're supposed to pull it out and make society and build stuff, not against God, but with God. Yeah. It's supposed to look a little bit Probably similar, but very different to what we have today. Yeah. And with more pandas, probably. Probably. More pandas. Yeah. So when we're talking about people, so we've got Adam and Eve, the confusing bit with them is we've got Adam and Eve, and then like next chapter, it seems like we've got loads more people. And that's always been like a question for people. So you've got Adam and Eve in chapter two. Mm-hmm. You've got the fall, just mm-hmm. seems like Adam and Eve in chapter three, and a snake. And God, obviously. And then by four, you've got Cain and Abel, and then Cain kills Abel, but then Cain sees that there's lots of people. He's scared of lots of people by, by like four, right? What's yeah. going on there? Well, there's Why a, two to loads? There's a, there's a couple of things. Um, so first, we, we got to know that the timeline is not fixed. Mm, yeah. Just because there's, there's no space between a paragraph or between a page and this yeah. page, it does not mean that no time has elapsed. Um, and so God has created Adam and Eve, and then we do get to um, Cain and Abel. Yeah. And then Cain kills Abel. God sends Cain out, and, and, and Cain gets scared. Right. He's um, he's like, but the people, but um, I think he says anyone who comes across me may kill me. Yeah. And so he's not worried about angry mobs in okay, the street. That's true. Um, he's, he's like worried he about an, a potential individual. Yeah. Um, and so time may have, have elapsed. We don't, we don't know. Um, mm. what's funny is actually is in the next verse, Cain takes a wife or Cain, Cain yeah. sleeps with his wife. We're, we haven't heard her name. Yeah. So there's clearly more people. Um, I believe that those people came from Adam and Eve, like, um, mm. that they had other children. Uh, the, the genetic code was pure and it was from God and it was, uh, not, um, you know, it was, it was not sin filled is what I mean by pure, not, not, nice. not, not ethnically pure. No, but, um, but it was just from God. It was straight from God. And so 
intermarriage uh, between like brothers and sisters was not an issue at that point. Yeah. They were just getting the, getting the whole humanity ship off the ground. Yeah. And, um, and uh, so there's brothers and sisters that we don't know about. And probably by that stage, they were like living a long time. That's right. Who knows how old they were at that point. That's right. So what Genesis records is like average lifespan was just south of a thousand years. Man, you can get a lot done in a thousand years. You can. So he could have come across like his great, great nephew or something like yeah. that. And uh, and his nephew may have kiboshed him. Yeah. Oh, man. So I suppose you just, um, you realize that it's not trying to give you all the like details and make sure you know everything. It's trying to give you a specific story. It is. Yeah. It is. What's cool, what, what does happen there is that Cain says his punishment is too much. Somebody might kill me out there. And God says, I'm going to... I'm going to extend actually a, uh, some grace to you. And God yeah. marks him. Now, we have no idea what that means. Yeah. We have no idea what that There's means. There's been some interpretations there. There has been. Not but good. here's what's important to know about that mark. It was a mark of grace. Yeah. It was a mark of God's protection. Cain did not deserve it. Um, he was a murderer being yeah. sent out into the world. And um, and God says, I'm going to put my protection on you. So, so that anyone who tries to mess with you will know that they're going to also incur the wrath of God if they do. Yeah. So he was still protecting him. Yeah. Do you think that God was surprised by how it all went wrong? So you've got like Cain murders someone and then it all just kind of goes worse from there. Like, was God surprised by this? Did he like think this is a mistake? You could definitely get that impression um, in Genesis 6 where it says that yeah. God was sorry for yeah. creating people. Um, this sorrow word is very difficult for me to understand to be honest yeah it can mean like sorrow like grief it can also mean to comfort um or it can also mean to regret um and so what i um have the the sense of is um when i was growing up um we had a uh, a chihuahua that my, my brother had a chihuahua yeah and uh, this it <laughs> no was like the most sheepish dog and honestly i hated the thing yeah <laughs> it was yappy and sheepish but uh, over time it grew some confidence and one time it grew enough confidence to wander out into the road and it got hit oh um and we had to take it and put it down um oh, chihuahua. and of course in that moment you're sorry you're like man this is this mm. is painful um and you you feel sorrow and you try to comfort and there's regret and remorse but I don't think that God was surprised um, by this moment. Mm. Um, he was he, he was filled with um, with sorrow for humanity, and he wished that they would be comforted. He wished that there was a, a way to comfort them. Um, but uh, but what was about to happen was was really really bad. That that makes sense. So there's like a difference between like sorrow and like surprise. Yeah, he's like, not saying, surprise. guys, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, like my kids do stuff all the time. Our kids, <laughs> my kids, they're mine, and um, do stuff all the time that like I'm like not surprised by, but I'm sorry they did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, but what? So how do we deal with the flood? Because that kind of just means does like that kind of feels a little bit like a you know start over, like a do yeah, over. like God just hit the cosmic reset button. Yeah, like he was like, oh no, this is going further than I expected. Uh, flood. I um. I think that it's important that we that we grapple with like God has given people the ability to choose. It's a mm. real choice, but also God does know what we're going to choose. But He does need to give you 
the ability to choose it. Just because God knows what you're going to choose does not mean that you did not make that choice. Just like when you give your our children the option between yeah. spaghetti or ice cream. They're going to pick ice cream. They made that choice. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't force their hand in that choice. But and God did not force pick. our hand as humanity to sin. However, we, we did choose it and he knew that we would. Um, and so, so God allowed humanity to run its course. And, um, and I think that there's, there's some unique things that were happening at that time that forced God's hand in a really crazy way. Um, and, uh, well, like a flood that wipes everybody out. (laughs) Well, that's his hand, but yeah, they were up to stuff that was just like, we need a flood. Yeah. You get a picture in, at the start of Genesis six, that something crazy was going on. Yeah. It's not very like clear what it is, but it's kind of like heavy implication. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. There was some, there was some crazy stuff. Talk about crazy. I want to give you this as a final crazy question, because this is the one that I think in 1 to 11 is always like the craziest one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, oh, not no, sure no. I'm not sure you're going to have like a great answer for it because it's so hard. Um, or there's just so many different answers. What on earth were the Nephilim? What is Ooh. that? <laughs> it's like all, all this stuff about humans and then like, whew. Let's take a look at this. Okay. Can we do, all right. Get that Bible out. About that Bible. Get uh, it. Let's, let's open that thing. Because this is, uh, I don't want to misquote, don't want to misquote this. Because it's um, so crazy. So what was happening? When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives any they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim... <laughs> were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. I mean, okay. <laughs> just uh, slips it in. Here's just like a little paragraph. And that's the, some of the crazy stuff that was happening as we lead into Moses. Because uh, like, then, then, then it says that everybody was doing evil all the time, but... One person God gave favor to or grace to. Yeah. Uh, so God's grace is still in the midst of all of the crazy that's happening. All right. What are those Nephilim about, right? What are they? Um, there's kind of two readings, one mm-hmm. kind of more conservative and one that the authors were probably trying to get us to see. Um, so a okay. conservative reading would be like at that time there were these uh, – chapter five is all about um, – genealogies. Yeah. There was this genealogy of kind of the good guys um, coming out of not Abel because he died, but the next son, Seth. And Seth has these children that call upon the name of the Lord and are, are walking with God. And then meanwhile, Cain's line, they're just doing crazy stuff. His, like one of his sons, um, can't remember his son, a grandson, is Lamech. And he's like, my name's Lamech, and anybody who does anything to me, I'm going to do it like 10 times what God was going to do to Cain, or on Cain's behalf. Mm. Um, Lamech's crazy. You know, he's just like this wild man. Um, and um, and so what conservative commentators will say is that um, the the sons of God, like the sons of obedience from Seth line, were just were, were starting to, to, to look across the aisle and see those hot uh, girls on the other side who were doing whatever they want. Uh, Not convinced. 
I don't know. Why'd you get a special name like Nephilim? <laughs> you know? Yes. Just like. Yes. So probably what we're supposed to see is that, that something was happening in the spiritual realms. Um, that spiritual beings were, were, were also behaving badly. Um, that they were going wild. And, uh, and so what you, what you see is that there's a parallel between Genesis chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 3. There's a couple of key words um, that, that repeat themselves. They saw these mm. good um, or attractive women, uh, just like Eve saw the good or attractive fruit. Um, then they took. So they, they, they reached out their hand and took something that did not belong to them. Eve did it to become like God. And here, these spiritual beings were trying to basically redeem humanity and make them immortal or eternal. And, um, and God says, no, um, my spirit will be with you for 120 years, which can be read that like the average, li average lifespan will be yeah. 120 years, which it kind of like that's, that's like about the ceiling that we're at right now. Mm -hmm. But um, you keep reading through Genesis, people keep living crazy long times. Um, and so uh, other even ancient commentators would say that it was 120 years between this moment and the flood. Mm, which makes sense. It does. That makes sense because the whole like how old you are and all that kind of stuff doesn't make a ton of sense. So that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It still still sounds crazy. It does. It's kind of one of those bits where it's like, are we really going to have a very satisfying answer? We're not. We're never going to know on this side of eternity what exactly happened here. Yeah. However, what is interesting is that this provides a theological seedling of of um, a plan for redemption, not born out of selfishness, not out of seeing and taking and grabbing hold, but out of um, one day a true God-man coming. Yeah. Uh, who would give rather than take of himself, and um, uh, and of course we're talking about Jesus, who um, Mary, the Virgin Mother, would be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, conceive a God-man Son. Um, and redeem the world through his life. And on that note, I think we'll call it a day. Genesis 1 through 11. There we go. Thank you. Done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>